0: Good evening and welcome to the EFL Preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. In the first week where we see the return of European football in the film of the Champions League, Europa League and Conference League, we are of course focusing on a much more important tournament. Yes, that's right. The Papa John's Trophy is back. So we've got plenty of fixtures covering uh, through midweek that included a full roundup of all 12 uh, 24 teams competing in the Championship this week, as well as a few games in League One and, of course, the fateful EFL Trophy. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. So, as we usually do, we will start with the Championship, and we had an equal split of six games on the Tuesday the 19th of September and six on Wednesday the 20th. So we'll start with, the t- uh, with Tuesday, and we'll start with what many of the media will peddle as a local derby, apart from those that actually live in the West Country and realise it's anything but. Bristol City 4, Plymouth Argyle 1. Bristol City took advantage of a much-changed Plymouth Argyle side to record a thumping championship win at Ashton Gate. Sam Bell stabbed home a short corner routine after just 150 seconds for City, before Matty James fired a second into the roof of the net, soon after following some good Robins build-up. Adam Randall struck low from the edge of the box to pull a back, uh, goal back for the Pilgrims against the run of play, but Mark Sykes punished some poor defending to restore the hosts' two-goal cushions shortly after. Former Glover Harry Cornick round off the win with a calm finish with 10 minutes left to inflict Argyle's biggest loss since they were thrashed 4-0 by Bolton in the Papa John's Trophy Final at Wembley in early April. The win lifts the Robins up to fifth in the table, while newly promoted Argyle drop to 16th as they continue to seek a first away win of the season. With that, we'll have our first interview of tonight, and it's a return of an EFL regular. So, let's listen to Bristol City boss Nigel Pearson. Nigel, a 4-1 win here
1: at Gate. You must be really delighted.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, the the result's what we've been looking for. We needed to to get our home league form moving in the right direction with a win. Uh, To win 4-1 is very satisfying. Uh, We could have scored more goals. We were a little bit loose at times uh, in terms of our... um, allowing them to have chances when really... It was uh, easier for us to uh, either move the ball quickly or, or or clear the ball. But look, all in all, I don't want to be I don't want to dampen the mood. It's it's a, it's the type of result we've been trying to find. And again, it was a very uh, committed performance. And I think we we showed tonight that the that the players who finish the game can can affect. The game in, in the same way that the players at start. I think all the players who went on um, showed some quality, and and certainly up top we needed a, an injection of, of of energy because our players have been, you know, they've uh, already it's, you know we're still in September, but it's uh, that the the games program is is quite heavy, and I think the players have done really well.
1: There was good performances all over the pitch. Was there a player or a particular part of the team's performance like that pleased you the most?
2: Well, uh, look, I'm just pleased that we were able to to um, press them in the way that we did. You know, we showed a lot of energy. So really, it's more about the the cohesion of the of the side in terms of when we are uh, putting teams under pressure. And um, there are always going to be individuals within a team within a team performance who may stand out for, for other people but I, I'm more interested in, in what the team does and, and I was very pleased with our yeah our application and the quality that we showed tonight because it was it, it was a performance which deserved three points and like I say we could have scored three or four more so
1: two goals in the first eight minutes. Was a high intensity start key tonight?
2: Well, it has been all season, and unfortunately for us at the weekend uh, against West Brom, uh, those early goals didn't come, even though we put them on, you know, put them under pressure very, very early, and that just shows you that the margins are very small. Uh, we could argue that we played better at the weekend in the first half, um, but drew the game. It for me, it's just about. Every time that we play, trying to achieve uh, the intensity and, like I say, the cohesion as a team. That, for me, is the biggest thing.
1: Four different goalscorers tonight, including Harry Cornick's first league goal of the season. How pleased are you for him? Yeah, I mean, look, he, <laughs> he, he had a chance at the
2: weekend, which he was sort of beating himself up about, um, even though his first touch was, was really good. I thought he, he, he affected the game as soon as he went on and uh, for him to get that goal I think is really good and it will give him more confidence. Look, whoever starts the game um, and whoever scores the goals, it, it really matters not. It's, it's about what the team can achieve and what the squad can achieve during the season. So, still early days, but we've had a reasonable start and um, uh, and tonight to get a, a home win in the fashion that we did, I think we'll give the players and, and hopefully the fans more confidence. You mentioned the fans' confidence there. They really were brilliant tonight, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they? Yeah, we'll get them something to cheer about. So it's not, you know, at the weekend, yeah, good performance against a good side. But tonight we gave them goals and we gave them, I think, a, a strong finish in terms of still trying to create opportunities. So, um, yeah, pleased for them as well.
0: Cardiff City 3, Coventry 2. Cardiff City's momentum continues to build under Errol Bullitt as they condemned Coventry to their second defeat of the season. Second half goals from Carlin Grant and Keon Tete ensured back-to-back Cardiff wins for the first time since February. Coventry, who had drawn their last four, looked as though they might make it five when Matty Godden cancelled out Dimitros Goutas's early opener. But although not completely convincing, and despite a late second from Godden, it was a straightforward enough win for Bulletside, who moved into the top half of the table for the first time this year. Last year's playoff finalist Coventry, who had not lost since their opening day defeat at Leicester, slipped further, having not never truly imposing themselves on the game, despite Godden's best efforts, as he made it six goals in eight games. And while Cardiff, nor the Cardiff City Stadium atmosphere, carried some further and frenzy as their South Wales derby win against Swansea at the weekend did. The result ensured that the feel-good factor continues into Sunday's trip to Sunderland. And all done without Aaron Ramsey. The Welsh captain, so influential and inspiring in the win over bitter rival Swansea three days earlier, was given the evening off after his exertions. It was the first time Cardiff had been without the 32-year-old in his championship campaign, although his absence was not keenly felt in terms of the contest, initially at any rate. Oli Tanner, on a high form from his goal-scoring impact on Saturday night and brought back into the starting 11, made dangerous early inroads, And Ramsey's replacement, skipper and former glover Joe Rawls, had a hand in the opener. His eighth-minute corner was not particularly threatening, yet Sky Blue shirts had somehow ignored the lurking run from Gutas. His thumping header was a predictable outcome, the goal the Greek internationals first in British football. The control was Cardiff's, and so bullet's frustration would have been justified when after 35 minutes, a corner was not properly cleared. Gordon helped on Liam Kelly's ball past Jack Annick. Energised, Coventry hinted that they could put a poor opening behind them and asked questions of a Carvedif- Cardiff side who had already thrown away winning positions twice this year. Yet, with Tanner involved again, Cardiff rallied, responded and restored their lead just after the hour mark. A smart cross from Ryan Wintle saw Grant slip away with poor marking of substitute Toshiro Sakamoto, stooping in to head past Ben Wilson. It was Grant's first goal of his summer loan move from West Brom showing some signs that he is growing into a threat for Bullock's side. Mark Robbins, meanwhile, will only bemoan the second example of lax defending. Annick, fresh from signing a new deal earlier in the week, did have to scramble to save a Casey Palmer effort following some scruffy Cardiff play at the back. But the points seemed secured for the hosts when Perry and G lofted a pass into the run of substitute Atete, the former Tottenham man lashing home with six minutes of normal time remaining. Godden did rise highest to head past Anik in injury time, but a Cardiff comeback so late on never really looked likely. They will now wait to play a post-Neil Warnock Huddersfield on Monday to try and rediscover their form. Cardiff, though, with three home wins in a row for the first time since February 2022, are discovering something of an impetus under Bullet. Let's have another interview now, and we will hear from Cardiff City's uh, Matty Godden and manager Mark Robbins.
1: To score two goals away from home again and not come away with anything is disappointing. I just feel disappointed, tonight, and, and it was because we made too many rash decisions, poor decisions, on the ball, off the ball, spaces that we gave up aren't usually the spaces we, we, we give up um with Milan getting injured and and Tatsu coming on I could have gone and, and and changed it and showed it up a little bit but I wanted to I wanted to try and give us an impetus to go forward it looked like we were getting that and then we don't defend right cross comes in and we end up I mean Tatsu gets done on the inside from from Grant and he scores the header which is really disappointing I mean really really disappointing but that's Tatsu, he's he's more of an attacking attack-minded player. But that's why Joel's on the inside, and you know they're a new group. And I'm not looking for excuses because there are none. You know I'm looking for better than that. There's no doubt about it. We will get better than that over time. And this championship's relentless. You've got to take some of these on the chin for the time being. I'm afraid it's it, it's horrible to say. I don't like it. Don't like losing games. I Want to win every game. Want to give the supporters things to shout about positively. Um, they were great, they applauded the players off, those 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 that stayed till the end. And and let's face it, we could have got back into the game had we not committed Harry Carey in, in the for the third goal. You know, we've not really come out, we're just waltzing out, ball gets lifted in behind and Atete and scores across um across Ben. It just poor. Yeah, no, it's obviously disappointing. Um
3: doesn't matter that I've scored the two goals now. It's, it, it means nothing. So um, disappointing, disappointing night, and um, we've got to dust ourselves down now and get ready for Monday. Was it a hard game to play? Because there was a lot of time where you weren't really getting the service. It was sort of like fizzling out in the middle of the park. Yeah, it just we probably could have sped it up a little bit and, and been a little bit braver. Um, but it's it's one of those nights. Um, And like I said, we need to dust ourselves down now and and really go into Monday positive and and looking to get the three points at home.
0: Preston North End 2, Birmingham City 1. Championship leaders Preston came from behind to continue their unbeaten start to the league season, with victory over Birmingham at Deepdale. Jay Stansfield struck 40 seconds after half-time to put the visitors ahead, yet Blues' lead did not last long, as Christian Bielek headed into his own net from a corner six minutes later to level the scores. Milutin Osmacic then scored his first goal since arriving from Spanish side Cadiz on transfer deadline day to complete the turnaround, slotting the ball between the legs of goalkeeper John Ruddy. The win was Preston's sixth in a row and sees them remain at the top of the table, while Birmingham were consigned to their second consecutive defeat and slipped to seventh. Queen's Park Rangers won, Swansea City won. Lyndon Dykes' injury-time equaliser for QPR condemned Swansea to their worst start for the league season for 32 years. Swan's boss Michael Duff thought Josh Janelli's early deflected goal or was the stroke of luck his team so desperately needed after six games without a win. However, the host dominated the second half before substitute Dykes headed in Elias Chair's cross in the third minute of stoppage time to salvage a draw. Swansea finished with 10 men after striker Ollie Cooper was shown two yellow cards in the space of a minute in added time. The draw lifts QPR to 17th and offers under-fire boss Gareth Ainsworth some breathing space, despite claiming just five wins in 21 games in charge. There will be some encouragement from the way his side dominated the second half and deserved their point at the very least. Southampton 0, Ipswich Town 1. Ipswich moved up to second in the Championship and consigned Southampton to their third straight defeat as Amari Hutchinson's first half goal gave the Tractor Boys victory at St Mary's. The high-flying Suffolk side had already had a goal ruled out for a foul in the build-up before Hutchinson pounced on a Saints defensive error to put them ahead on the half-hour mark. Connor Chaplin hit the crossbar for the visitors shortly after and a Wes Burns efforts went just wide close to half-time as Ipswich created all the chances. Ipswich remain unbeaten on the road this season and stay within a point of league leaders Preston, while Southampton drops to 11th in the table. Southampton's poor run of results through September continue following a chastening 5-0 defeat by Sunderland and 4-1 loss on Friday to Leicester. Ipswich, by contrast, have been thriving in the Championship so far and claimed a sixth win in seven league games since being promoted from League One. Let's listen to Ipswich town boss Kieran McKenna.
3: Kieran, another 1-0 win, hard fought, what are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, uh, really, really, really proud of the players, top performance, um, exactly how it needed to be, it was never going to be anything, an incredib- you know, anything other than incredibly hard fought um, and we did all the things we needed to do to win a game like tonight against, you know, Opposition with so many Premier League, you know, level players. So, yeah, um, I thought it was a, a bit of a scrappy start, both teams. But we grew in belief in the game after the first 10 minutes or so. Started to, you know, feel that we could play on this pitch and play at this level. And um, yeah, we grew into the game well. Got the first goal. I thought we, we played really well from there through to the end of first time, half and and started the second half. stayed brave with the ball. Um, Found the spare man from from Vaz. We pressed high, we tried to be as aggressive as we could be and um, put ourselves in a great position in the game. Uh, Of course, then again, when it stays at 1 0 and you don't manage to get the second goal and we weren't far away a couple of times, then the last 20 minutes is going to be really, really tough and they're bringing on fresh quality from the bench. And so were we, to be fair, but for the the lads who did 90 minutes for us, who, you know, some of them playing on Tuesday or on Saturday away from home as well. we were out on our legs so you know it was about organisation at that stage but also really just about spirit and sticking together and digging in and um, fighting hard to to hold on to what we earned early in the game. Probably
3: similarities to the Sheffield Wednesday game in that sense aren't there so that must be really encouraging it's not just once you know it's just time and time again that the lads are showing what you're you're working towards.
4: Yeah I think so it's a different type of opponent completely of course completely Mm. different challenge tonight but yeah in terms of you know being brave and playing our football in whatever stadium, whatever type of opponent we go up against, that's something that we we said that we wanted to stick to. And um, yeah, fighting to win the games, not being happy we just playing well, but you know, trying to keep the winning mentality as much as we can to actually do whatever we need to do to win the game. And, and if that means seeing it out at 1-0, then that means seeing it out at 1 0. Of course we we want to um, go at the second goal, we want to improve and be a little bit more clinical in the moments that we get into. Give ourselves a bit more margin, but again, knowing that we, we can see it out at 1-0 and, and get the rewards for what we, we earn in the games, that's that's a positive.
3: Fantastic team performance, but three full debutants in there. Um, Amari Hutchinson, Brandon Williams and Jack Taylor. And then, of course, Dane Scarlett coming on as well. Just a word on them.
4: Yeah, massive. We spoke, um, you know, over the international break, and we spoke before this game about it was going to take the squad tonight. It's going to take the squad all season, but tonight was going to be a big night for that. And uh, new players coming into the team, um, all did really well. All you know shows how they've, how they've settled in and how they've been adapting and training. And you know, of course, Omari and uh, Jack have been playing games in a cup as well. And for us, you know we don't distinguish too much between a league game and a cup game but probably for the players yeah it's another extra little bit so big night for them of course then Dane coming on as well for you know 25-30 minutes whatever it was with the extra time and that and that pressure and that environment against those centre-backs you know great for him and that helps integrate him into the group and um, yeah a night for the whole squad I have to say you know I think probably Dominic Ball deserves a mention as well because he's been training outstandingly, um, an exemplary professional in person, mm. and waiting for his opportunities like many of the other lads are. And um, you know, he comes on for 20 minutes against Sulemana, who we know is his quality and his value, and yeah. he comes on and um, delivers an excellent performance to to help the team and the club get a big win. So, yeah, a great night for the squad. New players coming in, debutants, and. Um, also, those who haven't played as much so so far in the league playing a, a big big part in a big win. Thank you.
0: And now for the battle at the bottom, of which nobody wanted to lose. Sheffield Wednesday won. Middlesbrough won. Sheffield Wednesday and Middlesbrough remain rooted to the Championship relegation zone after sharing the spoils at Hillsborough. After an early stoppage time, uh, an early stoppage, sorry, due to home fans throwing tennis balls on the pitch in protest at their ownership. Wednesday took the lead when Anthony Massaba fired in from seven yards. Dara Lenahan levelled shortly after half time, turning home a corner, and from there the visitors began to take control. Burrows' Matt Crooks had a goal disallowed for offside as the visitors had the better of the second period, although George Byers missed a good chance late for Wednesday. Both sides have just two points apiece after seven games, with Wednesday above bottom side Borough by virtue of the Owls' superior goal difference on to the games that took place on Wednesday now Blackburn Rovers 1 Sunderland 3. Jack Clark scored twice to ensure an impressive 3-1 victory for Sunderland that handed former Blackburn boss Tony Mowbray a welcome return to Ewood Park. The Black Cats claimed the win against the Blackburn side who opened the game with purpose. Yet Rovers were made to pay after conceding a 27th minute penalty with Clark converting from the spot after being fouled by former Glover Ryan Hedges. Harry and equalised within a few minutes, before Daniel Neal restored the visitor's advantage right on half-time. Clark grabbed a third for Mowbray's side to end Blackburn's 15-year unbeaten run against Sunderland at Ewood Park. Blackburn were the stronger side early on, with triple chance, uh, a triple chance failing to their, falling their way on 10 minutes. Sammy Schmodix's snapshot was saved by Anthony Patterson. The rebound fell to Leonard only for his attempt to be blocked, with the final effort falling to Andrew Moran, whose shot was also failed to make its way through. The host went close again just two minutes later, when Lewis Travis sent him across from Leonard. Patterson again was quick to react, with Schmodix planting the rebound over. Yet it was the visitors who open scoring against the run of play. Hedges brought down Clark in the 27th minute, with the Sunderland man converting calmly the resulting penalty, stroking his pocket straight down the middle. Blackburn did not have to wait long to restore parity. Callum Britton collected a loose 35th minute ball from the defensive header and whipped across to the far post where Leonard was waiting to finish off the move. Still, Sunderland regained their lead just before the break, when Blackburn failed to clear a corner, allowing Neal to rifle home a shot from the left side of the box, straight into the bottom right corner. The Blackcats might have scored again soon after, but Mason Burstow's right-footed shot from the left-hand side of the box was saved by Ainsley Pears. At the other end, Blackburn came close to equalising on 70 minutes. Hayden Carter played the ball to Dylan McCandy, who switched the ball onto his left foot only to see his shot strike the outside of the far post. Rovers' hopes were to end in the 78th minute when Clark made a weaving run into the home team's box before dispatching a fine shot from Alex Pritchard's pass to ensure the victory for the visitors. And given this game has quite a lot riding on it for a certain man, we'll listen to him now, Sunderland boss Tony Mowbray. Tony, three wins in a row now and a terrific
3: performance
5: tonight. What was your take on the game? Oh, well, I'm not sure the first half was a terrific performance. I think um, you know we rode our luck. They're a very good team. Um, you know I think they're the best team we played so far this season in terms of the way they play. They're planned. They flood midfield. They get it through your lines. They um, probably just lacked a little bit of cutting edge. Um, you know, frustrating to lose the goal though. He, Danny Ballard was off the pitch I think when he scored, but. Um, Listen, we always looked. We always carried a threat. Even first half, I thought we carried a threat. We scored two goals. We could have scored some more. But um, I, you know, I think I should put on record. I think they're an outstanding team, really, really well coached football team. And to come here and win three-one is a, is a great result for the club. Obviously,
3: plenty of good performances all over the pitch. But I guess Jack Clark will grab the headlines for his two goals this evening. A man in form at the moment.
5: Yeah, listen. I, I went a bit harsh, screaming at him for half an hour. You know, he was he was doing everything I didn't want him to do for half an hour, and so he wasn't he wasn't my favourite player. He, in my mind, I was thinking of maybe if he doesn't book his ideas up, he might be coming off. But um, listen, he's he's an outstanding footballer. He's you know amazing again tonight. Um, he's a maverick, really. I think you know if, you know is that fair enough to say? Because he, but he does work hard. He, I just want him to understand how we need to play in certain games we're not just going to be the best team every game and dominate the ball and work it out to him and he can skip past somebody and we score he had to work really hard because they were hurting us with the ball that first half an hour they were really good and um, we needed 11 bodies grafting and working and chasing not not, not 10 and Jack stood out here on the, on the left wing it's... Um, Oh yeah, listen, I I thought he was amazing second half, Um, a real threat, that's why, you know, I thought we could have scored more goals because we work the ball, we win it, we nick it out, he ball carries it 50, 60 yards up the pitch for us and we're in the box and um, he's got amazing qualities and attributes, a a brilliant athlete and uh, and he's scoring goals, adding the goals that he scored to last season, this season as well and, um, you know, let's keep him fit, keep him hungry, keep him going. As we've already
3: touched on, that's three wins in a row now. Does it feel as though things are just clicking at this moment in time and falling in place for you and the team?
5: I think we've stretched a little bit. I think we've injuries are really sort of difficult to deal with at the moment. And yet it's the depth of the squad. And um, the, the ideal plan would be to, to drop some of the new signings into the team a bit by bit and get them used to how we play. I do think it's difficult, you know, for, for Lex like and Mason, we're trying to get him to come and link and play and be a footballer rather than a centre-forward who stands down the middle. Um, and his goals will come because he's working very hard for the team and um, I, certainly I, I, I'm very happy with what he's doing at the moment. I just he need, He'll need a goal over the next few weeks. And um, Delighted for Abdullah out here in front of me. Second half, winning, winning headers, but working hard, tackling back, as as well as again being a goal threat really. And um, yeah, listen, the team are functioning all right. I've just said how difficult it is to win three in, the, in on the bounce in the championship. It's really, really difficult. I've just challenged them there about can we do four on the bounce on Sunday? And um, our biggest, the biggest danger for that game will be ourselves really we have to turn up and make sure we are right at it as if we're playing the top top team at Cardiff I think have won back to back games now as well and um, so they'll be on a high and um, it should be a great game but a great opportunity for us to keep racking up the points
3: Yeah that quick turnaround on Sunday does show the relentlessness of this division and I guess the lads are going to have to rest and recover ahead of another big game
5: Yeah I think the schedule is really really tough at the moment that's why I mentioned the injuries that they are we need to get a few back we're not far away but um, because we've got I think is it next week we've got uh, I know we've got a turnaround of a of a Wednesday night and then a Saturday morning against Middlesbrough it Watford on a, on, a, on a Wednesday night and then it doesn't feel as if there's enough time if you picture the lads who are going to graft their socks off on a Wednesday night get home and in their beds after midnight Um, have to come in for training the next day have one day's prep to play on 12.30 on the the Saturday morning is a real big ask for us But um, that's why we're going to have to try and utilise the squad, rotate around a little bit try and give them all an opportunity but um, not at the expense of giving up points if we can help it Just finally those fans are walking away with a pretty big smile on their face this evening, fair to say you and the lads are too yeah, listen, we're delighted because they're a, such a good team and, and a really difficult team to beat and, um, and we managed to do that and, and the supporters are amazing. I, I, I feel, I've said in the past, you know, I don't go on the pitch and pump my chest and, and, and all that but a massive appreciation for what they bring to this football club and when there's so many fans in a midweek game oh, so far away from home here supporting the team, it's amazing for the team. These young lads, they know what they're playing part of you know the history of this club and um, and the size of this club and, and, and it's reflected in the numbers that travel and support it and so it's easy for me to demand really, really high standards and work ethics off them because they see the people who paid hard money and their time and energy to come and support them as well.
0: Hull City nil, United nil. In-form Hull City and 10-man Leeds both have to settle for a point at a sold out NKM Stadium. Keeper Ryan Alsop made three crucial saves in the first half on his debut for the Tigers, first foiling Jorginho Rutter from a one-on-one, then keeping out two efforts from Crescencio Somerville. Van James and Somerville had efforts blocked early in the second half before Leeds centre-back Joe Rogan was sent off on the hour mark for a second bookable offence. A drama Traore should have won it for Hull with a minute left, but his shot clattered the right-hands upright after Connolly got in behind the away defence and squared the ball for the midfielder. Hull remained sixth in the table after extending their unbeaten run to six games, while Daniel Fark's leads are now five without defeat and two points off the playoffs in ninth. Millwall 3, Rotherham United 0. Millwall registered their first win in three championship games as they deservedly beat beating Rotherham at the Den. Ryan Longman fired the hosts in front midway through the first half with a powerful right-footed shot from just outside the box. Former Millwall winger Fred Onyedinma was denied an equaliser by the offside flag before Zion Fleming's low effort doubled the lead for Gary Rowett's side two minutes before the hour mark. Andre Green almost pulled one back straight away for the Millers, forcing Bartosz Bielikowski into a save, but Tom Bradshaw fired into the roof of the net, making 3-0 to the home side in injury time. Millwall move up to 11th in the table, two points off the playoffs, while Rotherham, who have won just once this season, remain in 21st place. Watford 2, West Brom Albion 2. Watford and West Brom shared the points at Vicarage Road, but Valerian Ishmael's Hornets were held to a draw by his old club. All four goals came inside the first 23 minutes, sparked by Tom Ince opening his Watford account in only the third minute. Albion responded in a rain-lashed Hertfordshire by scoring twice in 30 minutes. John Swift's 14th-minute right-footed free kick went straight through the Watford wall for his fourth of the season, before Jed Wallace's near-post flipped finish from Darnell Forlong and Lowe's right-wing cross gave Albion the lead. But another three minutes later, it was back to parity when Ince forced Fed Machias Martins, who broke through transferring the ball to his right foot, to curl a fine finish just inside the post for his third goal the season. It is only 19 months since former Baggies boss Ishmael lost his job at the Hawthorns and it looked like revenge could be sweet and it's stunned its stunt, Albion, with a dramatic start, but I think he'll still be pretty pleased with the fight. Norwich City 2. Oh, for Norwich City 0. Leicester City 2. Leicester City secured an impressive win over fellow high-flyers Norwich at Carrow Road to maintain the Fox's strong start of the season. Kalechi Nacho scored the visitors' opening goal from the penalty spot before Casey McAteer secured the victory with Leicester's second near the end. The victory elevated Leicester to second in the championship table on 18 points, with Norwich slipping to fifth. Enzo Moresca made five changes to his line-up, but there were few signs of his Foxes team struggling for cohesion against a Norwich side who were aiming to maintain a 100% home record. Early on, it looked like Norwich might gain the ascendancy, when Mads Hermansen was called into action to deny Jack Stacey. But that was as good as it got for the hosts. Leicester grew in confidence as the first half wore on. The best chance fell for Ian Acho, whose 31st minute left-footed shot from outside the box was blocked. Norwich were left to be the architects of their own downfall when they lost possession just before the break. Harry Winks collected the ball, releasing Steffi Mavidi, who drew the foul from Christian Fastnacht. Ian Acho converted his spot kick into the high centre of the goal to put Leicester ahead. Norwich could have found themselves in further trouble before half-time when Mavidi once again exposed lethargy within the host's defence, but his right-footed effort went wide. At the other end, Kenny McLean was to go closest for the host in the 76th minute when his left-footed shot clipped the top of the crossbar. It was the merest of opportunities for the Canary side, who was second best for most of the evening. The Foxes sealed all three points in the final throws, courtesy of McAteer, who converted Keelan Dewsbury Hall's assist with his right-footed shot. Another interview for you now, but this time it'll be from a player, and none other than that, a former Glover. That's in the form of Norwich City centre-back Shane Duffy. How are the lads feeling after that one?
6: Yeah, disappointed, obviously. Um, tight game, I think, and um, I think individual moments came down there and... Probably um beat by the better team on the night,,
7: yeah, how old did Leicester City compare to other opposition you faced so far this season?
6: as I said, just think individual moments, I think they capitalized on us, and you switch off against good players, probably um shouldn't be in this league, but are but uh, that's 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 what this league gives you this year, so uh, I thought for moments we were in it we we' done well with our game plan, and as I said, little. Lapses and they punished us.
7: Yeah, the belief never seemed to waver. So that must give you confidence going toe to toe with what will inevitably one of the league's strongest teams.
6: Yeah, obviously I thought we. I thought we had mo- second half. I thought we changed a few things and and we had a right go at it and our chances just didn't go in and and they went up and and killed the game off with 2-0 But I think the beliefs there. I thought before the game, I thought we had a real chance of going head to head with them and got the crowd behind us and. Going after, it. and then obviously the timing of the penalty was was disappointing, so f- killed us a bit. But we regrouped half time, came back out, and um, and went for it. Obviously, said they killed us on the counter attack. Then with the second, but I don't think there was much in it. Just two two moments.
7: And can you use this feeling of you know slight disappointment to motivation for the next game?
6: That's what we said after. Listen, three points on Saturday night, same three points as these tonight. So um, got to regroup and. And go I know a tough place to go is Plymouth, so uh we've sorta of forgotten about it. we listen, we're disappointed that we've forgotten about it but on forty eight hours Saturday we're 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 at it again and and excited. They they go put it right. That's that's the beauty of this league. all game in three days we you, you can fix it and um good travel and support and uh, three points hopefully. And the final game in the championship, could it really
0: only be one other team? Huddersfield town two. Stoke City, Two. Neil Warnock had to settle for a point in his final game as Huddersfield town boss as the Terriers were held at home by Stoke. But despite having taken an early lead, Huddersfield had to come from behind to do so. Warnock's latest departure from a managerial post has been announced on Monday and Huddersfield's American owner Kevin Nagel revealed on social media before kick-off that the appointment of his replacement was imminent. Since then, we have found that he's in fact former Sheffield Wednesday boss Darren Moore. Warlock, who first managed Huddersfield in their third tier 30 years ago when he led them to promotion, leaves with the Terriers' 16th in the Championship, although his real work was done last season when he saved the club from relegation back to League One. It looked like it would be a really special farewell when Matty Pearson headed home a Sorba Thomas free-kick on 31 minutes. But just two minutes later, the Potters were level when Daniel Johnson lashed in after Tyrese Campbell's shot had been saved. Stoke had not previously scored an away league goal this season in three attempts at Ipswich, Millwall and Norwich. Just past the hour, however, they had found a second when deadline day loan signing Sayed Haksahamovic crossed for defender Ben Wilmot to head home. But just six minutes later, the Terriers were level when Stoke failed to clear their lines from Ben Jackson's corner and Jack Radoni swivelled six yards out with a low left footed shot which found the back of the net. So, one last interview, and it could be his last ever. I know I said that in the previous show, but we know for certain it's going to be the last for a little while. Let's listen to Huddersfield Town boss Neil Warnock.
8: Gaffer, if we talk about the the game first, it was end to end, exciting. It was everything you'd want from a, a final game in charge of a club.
0: It was, yeah. I mean, it's
9: uh, it's been a, it's been a privilege to manage here again. And, uh, I know it's six months, but it seems a, you know it's been hard work for me—a really hard work. But to see the players give everything like that, and the fans get behind us and give me that applause, it, it just means everything to me. And, and uh, you know, I'll take that with me. And uh, I know I'll always be welcome here. But it's uh, it's it's good to give them the results because you know things were a bit gloomy when I come, and you know we've had a laugh. We've had a laugh along the way, and I hope the fans have and enjoyed it. And. Uh, it was good to get the send off, and Ronnie deserved that as well tonight. Ronnie, he's he's been f- brilliant for me, so good. You know, thank you for the fans for that as well.
8: You spoke really nicely in your, your program notes about Ronnie. You, you mentioned him and, and said, you know, the fans call him a legend, but he's a legend in your eyes as well.
9: Absolutely, yeah. You don't. I mean, he, people don't see what he does behind the scenes. He looks after me really. You know, when he's 75 or five next, are um, You know, you need a bit of looking after. <coughs> but um, he knows what I'm good at and I know what he's good at, and we just make a good pair, really. And, um, you know, we don't know what's around the corner, but uh, I said to him, I'll never say never, so we'll just we'll just see what crops up.
8: You were very focused on the players after the game when you spoke to him in the, the dressing room. You mentioned how much you've enjoyed working with them and the fact that it's rare that you'll be leaving a club but wishing them to do the best possible.
9: It is, yeah, because I usually want them to lose every game when I leave, but I don't here. I, I think here I'd like them to get into the play. They're such a good group of players. Uh, and I think they're good enough to get in the playoffs, me. So I think with a you know a little bit of luck and and injuries free, you know we we, lock, we missed Hoggy and Wardy tonight, um, but you know the lads have done well. They carried on, and, and and now it's up to them to the new manager to take it on board.
8: There's one or two younger ones in there who've you know really sprung on and kicked on. Jack Radone, who scored the equaliser tonight, couldn't score <laughs> you know last season. I know. It must be nice for you to see like that, even in six short months, grow and, and become a little bit extra?
9: I think so. I mean, you know, I look at people like Josh Karoma and, and, and Jack and, and Ruffles and people that really were probably written off when I turned up, but they've they've really listened to me and I think they've enjoyed the training and they've enjoyed what I've gi- got given them and that confidence and they look different players. I thought... You know, Jack. Not just tonight, but I think he's he's been outstanding this season. And and I think Ben will. Ben's not quite fit enough yet, but you can see what he can do, Ben. And He'll, enjoy. he'll be a great favourite. So, if I've done anything, I brought a good midfield player to the club.
8: Um, the last time I'll refer to you, your programme notes, and the last thing I'll ask you is, you, you <laughs> said you didn't get a, a proper chance to to say goodbye in '95, and even in the summer, you you th- you know, it didn't feel like a proper. No, day. it didn't. No, no. Um, tonight,
9: it was, it was special tonight. I mean. They could quite easily have gone home early, couldn't they, tonight? You know, a game like that. But to stay to the end, I'm glad Sharon was here as well tonight. Uh, I said to her, you know, you ought to be there, darling. It's your fault I'm here. (laughs) And uh, and and she was there tonight. So I'm sure she'll have been proud of the the send-off that I've had.
8: Uh, Gaffer, um, um, for personally and on behalf of everyone, I think, thank you very much for the past six months and, and good luck for whatever the future No is. problem. Let me
9: tell you this now. Take hold of my microphone. This is how much I love Huddersfield Town.
0: Let's just take a quick look at the championship table going into the weekend's fixtures. All teams have now played seven matches. And top of the table with 19 points out of a possible 21 sit Preston North End. Second place on 18 points sit Leicester City. Ipswich just behind them on goal difference, also on 18 points. Some distance actually to fourth place now, with 13 points for Sunderland and fifth placed Norwich. Hull take up the final playoff spot with 12 points from 12 games, 12 games from 7 games, level on points with Bristol City. At the wrong end of the table, well, we've still got the same three that we had at the beginning, but there are really now four teams that look dangerously difficult and really could do with a bit of good fortune. It's bottom of the table with a minus nine goal difference and two points from seven games, sit Middlesbrough. Sheffield Wednesday also on two points, but with a goal difference of minus six. Swansea with three points and still desperately looking for their first win under Michael Duff. And it's also looking pretty bleak for Rotherham United, who have sit one point above Swansea in 21st with four points just outside of the relegation zone.
9: Visit our website www.ajwakely.com for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913.
0: We'll quickly cover three games that took place in League One this week and we'll start with Barnsley 2, Portsmouth 3. A blistering start helped Portsmouth secure a 3-2 win over Barnsley at Oakwell that sent them top of League One. Colby Bishop, Paddy Lane and Conor Gilvie gave the Blues a dream start before second-half strikes from Barry Cotter and Callum Styles led to a tense finish. Gavin White had already seen a first-minute effort deflected wide and Bishop had headed over the bar before Pompey were awarded an eighth-minute penalty. Lane beat two players before feeding the ball to the Northern Ireland winger White on the right and Bishop's attempt to convert his low centre saw him fouled by Barnsley keeper Liam Roberts. Bishop converted the spot kick and 30 seconds later the visitors doubled their lead when the former Accrington striker flicked on, found Lane and he calmly finished. Agilvy added the third when he headed home Joe Morell's cross from the right after 16 minutes. Having failed to mount an attack of note before the break, Barnsley pulled one back just four minutes after the restart, when half halftime substitute Sam Cosgrove found Cotter, who drilled a low finish past Will Norris. The hosts scored again with 13 minutes left, when Norris fumbled Callum Styles' header, and the ball trickled over the line, but despite a spell of late pressure, they could not find an equaliser. Peterborough United three, Cheltenham Town nil. Winless Cheltenham continued their torrid start to the season as they were beaten by Peterborough and equalled the EFL record for the longest run without scoring a goal at the start of the campaign. The Robins had two players sent off at either end of the match with Harrison Burrows, Johnson Clark Harris and Peter Kiyozo all scoring for Peterborough. Cheltenham, who have picked up just one point this season after eight games, fell to bottom of League One and failed to find the back of the net once again. A disappointing fact that so much so, Wade Elliott has now been dismissed as his boss of Cheltenham. Port Vale 2, Burton Albion 3. Burton beat Port Vale 3-2 to secure their first win of the season and prevent their opponents from moving to the summit of League One. Watford lone iguardo Bar scored what proved to be a decisive goal as the Brewers ended their wait for three points in their eighth league game of the campaign. Burton took a surprise lead in the 11th minute when an unmarked Beryl Lubalala headed home at the back post from Tom Hainer's cross to score his first goal for the club. Lubalala nodded nodded over a good chance eight minutes later, but barring it was all veil through to half-time. Ben Garrity threatened on a couple of occasions and James Wilson's drilled shot struck a post just before the half-hour mark. The home side's pressure finally told in the 40th minute as Garrity headed in off the post from Connor Grant's delivery. Having hung on to go in level at the break, Burton found themselves in front again six minutes after the restart as Steve Seddon poked the ball in from close range from Hamer's nod down. It got even better just after the hour mark with Barr making his full debut, rifling a shot past Connor Ripley, having broken free down the right. Ollie Arblaster smashed the ball home into the net in the 86th minute to halve the deficit, but Burton held on for a much-needed win. So, we'll quickly take a look at the League One table off the back of those three matches. As you can probably imagine, there's quite a few teams that have got have played eight games now, and some that have only played seven. But top of the table with 16 points from eight games, we have a new leader in the form of Portsmouth. They are only top of the table on goal difference, however, as Exeter and Port Vale also have 16 points. On 15 points and taking up fourth and fifth place, Oxford United and Stevenage. Barnsley, despite losing to Portsmouth, still remain in the playoffs with 13 points. The wrong end of the table, Fleetwood and Cheltenham sitting at bottom with one point apiece. Burton and Reading also on five points, alongside previously deducted Wigan. So we go on to the time or the uh, the competition we've all been waiting for, and that of course is the Papa John's Trophy. We've had plenty of matches that took place this weekend, and uh, well, this week, sorry, and. Some of them more interesting than others, shall we say. So we'll just fire through some of the scores of some of the matches that aren't quite as interesting. Morecambe lost 3-0 to Liverpool's under-21 side. Sutton United and Aston Villa was 2 all, with Aston Villa taking the two points by winning 5-4 on penalties. Yes, remember, in the group stages of the Papa John's Trophy, we don't do draws. You simply go straight to a penalty shootout in in the event of a draw after 90 minutes. And if you win the penalty shootout, you get two points. And if you lose, you get one. Wickham Wanderers won, Crystal Palace under-21s nil. Colchester United lost 5-0 to Tottenham Hotspur under-21s. Leighton Orient and uh, Fulham's under-21 side was 2-all each, with Leighton Orient winning 5-4 on penalties. McDonald's beat Oxford United 1-0. Bristol Rovers lost 3-1 to West Ham's under-21 side. Derby County beating Lincoln City 2-0. Doncaster Rovers beating Everton under-21s 2-0 as well. Shrewsbury and Brighton and Hove Albion was also under uh, under twenty ones was nil nil with Shrewsbury winning four one on penalties. Now the two extremely big games. We will start with Wigan Athletic seven, Leicester City under twenty ones one. A rather shocking result if you look at it, especially when the fact that you see that Leicester City in fact took the lead. Arjen Reiki getting a goal on the 30th minute for Leicester to go 1-0 up. However, that was relatively immediately cancelled out from a Josh McGuinness penalty in the 34th minute. And then, really, the floodgates opened in the second half. Josh McGinnis getting a second on the 46th minute. Callum Lang following it with a 57th minute uh, to make it 3-1. A Brad Young uh, own goal uh, to make it 4-1. Harry McHugh uh, getting a fifth for Wigan. Uh, I can't pronounce his surname. Chris Zizier. SZE so I think that might be pronounced that. Got a sixth in the 85th minute and then Josh Stones getting a seventh in the 95th minute uh, to make it 7-1. A really quite impressive result for Wigan there. But the final game and without question the one that caused let's say the most eyebrows to be raised. Exeter City nil, Reading 9. Tom McIntyre getting a third uh, first goal right off the back in the third minute against what could best described as a relatively youthful Exeter City side. That being said, there were still plenty of first-team players in there as well. Um, Cedric, um, Cedric Scott, or James Scott, sorry, not Cedric Scott. Um, Mark Woods, uh, Zach Jules, uh, Caleb Watts, of course, you got the winner last weekend. So plenty of players that were... Uh, and Carl Taylor, sorry, as another one. You'd all class as relatively first-team players. But this was nicely um, scattered with Joe O'Connor as a youth player. Jack Fix Water Um, and Carlos Borges, Pedro Borges, sorry, and all those uh, other ones that we see in the Exeter City lineup against what was a fairly strong, albeit not, um, you wouldn't say completely full-strength Reading side, still had things like Coniah Boyce-Clark, Harley Dean, Tom McIntyre, uh, Chris Wareham, uh, to to name but a few of the relatively stronger players that uh, Reading played, and had plenty of um, more notable players to have on the bench, notably someone like Don Ballard and Harvey Nibbs. So how did the game transpire? Well, I've already mentioned one of them, Tom McIntyre getting the first goal in th- after only three minutes. Zach Jules unfortunately causing an own goal for Exeter to make it 2-0 after 32 minutes. And then, very much like the Wigan game, the floodgates opened. Uh, two goals in very quick succession by Paul Makairu uh, in the 56th and 60th minute to make it 3-4-0. As we've mentioned, Don Ballard getting his fifth, uh, getting the fifth on 67 minutes. Ben Elliott getting a sixth on the 79th minute, and then in the space of 10 minutes, Exeter proceeded to concede three more. Tom Harris, or Taylor Harris, sorry, getting the 85th minutes um, to make it seven nil. Uh, Yeah, Caelan Vickers getting the eighth on the stroke of the uh, the stroke of normal time. And in the 96th minute, Don Ballard getting a second to make it 9-0 in what was perfectly summed up by Exeter City social media posts that simply read 90 plus 5, 9 can't be asked. So always entertaining with the EFL trophy there. And I'm sure we won't get quite as many high scoring games again, but was always very, very interesting to see how those sort of things transpired. Now, normally we don't do too many interviews based on the EFL Trophy, but I feel like it would be a massive disservice to Reading if we didn't interview boss Ruben Sellers.
7: Ruben, that's our biggest win for 122 years. Uh, It's a bit of an understatement, but you must be delighted.
10: Well, I didn't know. Uh, It's not too much, not important for me. The important uh, is that uh, my team show the identity, show the things that we want to do. It doesn't matter who's the opponent, and we carry for 98 minutes uh, in the way that we do things. Uh, we always try to be respectful with every opponent but the respect comes from giving our 100% every time and that's what we did today.
7: A lot of changes tonight, that must speak volumes for the amount of youngsters that are ready and willing to set, step up at this level. Uh,
10: yeah, you know, I don't, make a, I don't uh, think that the youngsters or older player or I just think that they uh, a lot of players working really hard during the weekend, during the week, and they deserve to be here to play in the lineup for me today for the club. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's about them and how much, how how hard they work really, and it's a pleasure to see them performing like today.
7: One player who didn't start was Taylor Harris, but he scored a goal on his debut. What have you made of him so far?
10: Ah, Taylor has been with us uh, also in the Carabao Cup one time. He's training regularly with us. He's starting to understand the concept that we want and uh, we want to give him something today it was uh, the proper moment to bring him in and then he showed a little bit of the quality that he has so now it's uh, for him to carry on work hard and uh, try to make more appearances for us Paul got two
7: as well he's a player you know very well you must be quite proud of him
10: yeah for Paul it's important to start to get feelings back after uh, some months uh, without uh, a lot of competition it was a good uh, for him to start today in the piece that he got injured some weeks ago, also, he showed personality, character, he got uh, his goals. Then now he needs to continue working. And two
7: goals and two assists in 17 touches for Don Ballard, it couldn't have gone much better for him.
10: Yeah, it's again another player that uh, has recently joined us and then he uh, has a lot to offer, but uh, yeah, he needs to continue showing that.
7: And Blackpool next, can you enjoy tonight or does the hard work ahead of the weekend start immediately? Yeah,
10: I think we will enjoy the next couple of hours in the bus, the coach. And then tomorrow immediately we need to go with Blackpool and the ways that we will have to approach that game and how we can go there, perform and get the three points.
0: Whilst I appreciate boss Ruben Sellers was being relatively kind to Exeter there and going that he didn't really matter what the result was, Still really impressive to have recorded (laughs) Reading's biggest results for 122 years. Not too bad at all, given all the problems, of course, going off off the field. So we just have enough time to take a look at the uh, outgoing or the upcoming fixtures for this weekend in the Championship League One and League Two. So we will start with the championship games and it starts on Friday night when Birmingham City take on Queen's Park Rangers at an eight o'clock kickoff Friday night. Going into the Saturday, then, we have eight games. We've got Ipswich Town versus Blackburn Rovers at three o'clock. Leeds United taking on Watford. Leicester City will entertain Bristol City. Middlesbrough will go, uh, well, Southampton will travel one of their furthest trips of the season as they go to Middlesbrough. Plymouth Argyle taking on Norwich. Rotherham United taking on High Flyers, Preston North End. Swansea uh, have got Sheffield Wednesday. I'll be honest, if Michael Duff doesn't pick up a win there, real questions will be asked for his managerial uh, tenure over in South Wales. And finally, West Bromwich Albion will take on Millwall. On the Sunday, two games. One, a 12 o'clock kick-off, Stoke City versus Hull. And three o'clock, Sunderland taking on Cardiff. And one final game on Monday the 25th, and it will be Darren Moore's first game in charge, as Coventry taking on Huddersfield Town. Taking a look at League One then, we'll have a quick look at these. All 12 taking place on Saturday the 23rd, and all at 3 o'clock, just as the football traditionalist would like it. Blackpool taking on Reading. Bolton Wanderers have got Peterbury United. Bristol Rovers taking on Wigan. Burton Albion have uh, Lee Johnson's Fleetwood Town. Cambridge United taking on Port Vale. Carlisle have got Derby County. Charlton Athletic versus Wickham Wanderers. Cheltenham Town, who are still looking, of course, for their first goal and will be doing it without a manager, will take on relatively impressive Stevenage. Leighton Orient have got Shrewsbury. Northampton versus Barnsley. Oxford United versus Exeter. And finally, Portsmouth versus Lincoln City. Now, we will have a little preview interview now, and it will be with the current tabletop as manager and currently on a really impressive unbeaten strike in the form of John Massinho. He was relatively um, an underwhelming pick, shall we say, for many Portsmouth fans when he was appointed uh, at the end of last season, but has obviously generated a really good feel-good factor over on the South Coast. So, we will listen to him now and see how he plans on taking on a relatively difficult Lincoln City side.
11: Well, John, how's everything after Tuesday? Presumably the, the spirits are quite high amongst the group.
0: Yeah, yeah, spirits very high, I think, and, and on the way back
12: down, it was certainly an enjoyable trip, much more enjoyable than last season. And, yeah, I think it was uh, a mixture, I, I suppose, of a real, really tired bodies, but... Um, uh, minds that were, were buzzing away and, and really, really happy to achieve what they've achieved over the weekend. So, um, yeah, there's, there's, I think, um, been enough time now to, to reflect on that and, and to take all the positives from it. And we've had to dust ourselves off and go again today because we've got to prepare for the Lincoln game at the weekend. What elements of Tuesday's performance need to be taken into the Lincoln game? I mean, if we can take the first half into the Lincoln game, that would be that would be great. Uh, you know, there were there were some real positives in the second half as well, particularly the the grit and determination to to dig in. At uh, 77 minutes, I think Barnes scored their second, and from that point onwards, I, I thought, despite Barnes having a lot of possession, we we largely looked comfortable. Uh, at that point, we, we dug in, we showed really good mentality, um, and off the back of that, if we can then play some of the football we played in the first half and, and be as much, or if, if not more, as big a goal threat, then um, yeah, I think we'll uh, really give ourselves a chance at the weekend.
11: Lincoln have started the season well. What are you expecting from them?
12: I'm expecting a side that's tough to play against. That I think they've lost one game in the league this year. That was the three 0 defeat on the first the opening day of the season against Bolton, where I think Bolton blew them away in the first half. So since then they've been they've been excellent. They've been very very tough to break down. Um, you know, really, really solid, resolute, and they've got some excellent players that can hurt you on, on the counter and on the other side of the game as well. So, yeah, we have to be, I think, at the top of our game to, to be able to compete at the weekend. They're you know, very, very well coached. They've got some, like I said, some really good players there, and, yeah, and you know, deservedly so, I think, since the opening day of the season, they haven't lost.
11: How's everything looking in terms of squad selection?
12: Yeah, there's uh, you know we've got quite a bit going on at the moment. Conor Rogelvy picked up a bit of a groin strain on on Tuesday and obviously came off. He's he's touch and go for the weekend. Uh, he he didn't train today, but uh, we're going to get him out on the grass tomorrow and, and see how he is. Uh, very very similar with Christian Sadie at the moment. We're just building him up from sort of fifty, sixty, seventy uh, percent, making sure he's he's full tilt before he's ready to go. But he's he's certainly a matter of. Um, it's day to day with Christian um, Sean Raggett is back he, the couple of extra days really helped him in terms of his, his foot recovering and, um, and and making sure that he was back and, and ready to go so uh, on yeah, the short term injury front we're, we're looking um, pretty good certainly I think better than we were Tuesday night
11: And on the long term front how are Cassini
12: and Tom Lowry doing as well? Cassini's been back out on the grass and looking very, very fit and, and athletic. Probably two or three weeks away from being back in full training and then we'll have to get him fully fit off the back of that. Uh, Tom Lowry not quite there yet, so Tom's probably still got uh, a bit of time to go till he's back out on the grass, but he's moving well. Uh, he's doing his, his rehab you know, brilliantly and uh, yeah, we, we're looking forward to having him back in the fold.
11: Now, there were 654 Pompey fans on Tuesday. There's going to be almost 18,000 here on Saturday. What do you ask for from them?
12: I I don't need to to ask for for anything because I know what they'll provide they'll they'll be very um, I I think excited about the game as as much as we are and um, you know they've they've come off the back of um, certainly away fans have come off the back of two very 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 long trips Um, you know it certainly felt like to to my left on Tuesday night they were um, it, honestly, I'm not just saying this because I said it last week, it felt like there were thousands. I could constantly hear them throughout the game in the tough times in the second half as well. Just, you know, not just when we were, we were um, winning the game and doing well in the first half, those tough moments in the second half where I thought they dragged the team through. Uh, and so, yeah, more, more of the same. The last home game here, uh, it, was, it was brilliant. We, we rewarded them with, with a really good performance and three goals, which was great. And uh, yeah, just, just more of the same. There's nothing I can say to any of the fans um, other than we really, really appreciate your support and that it makes a, a huge difference. I'm sure they realise how much of a difference it makes and, and we do really appreciate it.
0: Congratulations to Portsmouth there. Best of luck for the weekend. And very, very quickly, we'll take a look at the League 2 fixtures. Grew taking on Colchester United, Saturday, 3 o'clock. Doncaster Rovers have got Gillingham following their good winning as Everton in in the Papa John's Trophy midweek. Grimsby taking on Crawley. Harrogate Town taking on a difficult, albeit slightly out of sorts, Salford City. Mansfield versus Barrow. Morecambe have got Swindon Town. Newport County taking on, again, another out of sorts, Bradford City. Notts County, top of the table, against Forest Green. Stockport County versus the ever-difficult Wrexham, and a relatively local affair for two of those two teams there. Definitely will be a loud one. Sutton United versus MK Dons. Tranmere Rovers have got Accrington Stanley. And finally, Walsall will take on AFC Wimbledon. So, that brings us to the end of this week's EFL preview. I certainly hope you've enjoyed it. It was great to talk so much about the Championship. I know I usually do most weeks, but, you know... It's uh, have a full, a relatively good dedication to them. We'll be back on Monday to take a look at all the fixtures that took place this week with plenty, inevitably, plenty of goals and plenty of controversy because that is what we expect here at the EFL Review. Until then, have a lovely weekend. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye.